Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Rimble, back again. And uh, this is the House of Ephraim show. Do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbolt. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deggert. I want to do something that I did back in the 70s, and it's called it's called Halloween, the Festival of Death. So the, this morning, I want you to turn with me in Ezekiel 44, Halloween, the Festival of Death. Now, there are people today that have this type of message out, but I will guarantee you back in the, in the 70s, no one was preaching or teaching this subject. It started, I was in a small town in southern Illinois, and now if you can't hear, be sure to raise your hand. I forget I don't have a microphone sometimes, but a room this size uh, shouldn't be any problem, but if you have a problem, raise your hand. Uh, I'm in southern Illinois, and I'm, I'm getting ready to minister in a charismatic church. And I had checked into the hotel, and I uh, was going to, uh, to bless God, uh, study the Word of God, pray, because it was an evening service, a 7 o'clock service. And all of a sudden, I heard noise. I went out the door, and they were having an afternoon Halloween parade. And I went out, and I stood there on that little main street in that little town of about six, 8,000 people, and here came the floats the marching band at the high school, and they were doing all the, the, you know, the things that they do in parades. And, and, and then came the, the, the floats with, uh, of the churches started going by. And I'm standing there just you know watching. I hadn't thought very much about Halloween. I hadn't been in the ministry probably six or seven months at that point uh, that I remember. Now, maybe it was closer to a year or so, too, but I don't, don't discount that number, okay? But I hadn't been in ministry very long. And I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, I became deathly ill. And I thought, what is going on? And I, and I, 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 grabbed, my, I grabbed my stomach, and I, 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 I turned, and I went back into the hotel, and, and, and I laid on the bed, and I began to pray. And I said, God, what's going on? I, I don't understand. I, 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 this, is, this thing's, what is this? And all of a sudden, the angel spoke to me, and the angel said, it's the festival of death understand. And I'm going to tell you what, I couldn't hardly minister that night because of the angel coming. And I knew that I was going to have to begin to research, and I was going to have to begin to do and go back and to look at things. And, and brothers and sisters, my life back in that time was threatened more than just once or twice because I began to minister this message. The church was not interested, bless God, in hearing the truth. That's they're still not tonight or today. Uh, the church wants to have a smooth message. Church people, Christian people in general, do not want to look different than this world. Somebody, it's okay if you ever once more you say amen or shake your head. We won't mind. Okay. That that bless God that we want we want we want Christ. All right. We want everything that God has to give to us. But on the other hand, we, we don't want to look, you know, we want, don't want to look a lot different than they look out there. Now, unfortunately, as you've heard me minister uh, through the years, what we have going on today is uh, we, we look so much like the world, you can't tell us from the world. 
because of the sickness that's within our churches. And, 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 and bless God, the, the people are broke and people are depressed. And, people, and like I said, why go to church? You can be, you can be that at home. I thank you. Let there be and there was. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> There's words on that page. And, and, I, and, I, and I, begin to, I begin to realize that. Now, if you found Ezekiel, and I give you plenty of time, 44, uh, 23 and 24 says, the 23rd verse, Ezekiel 44, And they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane. Who will teach them? The priesthood, the ministry will teach them. All right? And they'll teach them the difference between the holy and the profane and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. That's, a, that's the place of the, of the ministry, is to be certain that you, that you understand. But you see, the ministry first has to know the information before the ministry can do what? Minister the information. And, and that, again, is the reason why I've been so adamant about the fact that too much of church today is the building of their own kingdoms. It's not the building of God's kingdom, and that's what's gotten the churches in such in, in such a problem. And and I uh, realize that bless God that the church doesn't understand that the church fell centuries ago. The church has uh, had fallen to the ground, and no one was going to stand up and say very much about it at that point in time because the the real prophets of God were being hidden away. And bless God, uh, the, the, the church didn't want anybody, wasn't going to allow anybody, and none of the rest of the fivefold ministry was going to stand up and say, the church is wrong. Because if they did, then they were going to be ostracized, they were going to be pushed to the side, and after all, where were they going to preach? Well, I know all about that, because I, I coming up through the ministry through 33 years of this thing, I have been ostracized, because my place is to tell you the truth. My place isn't, bless God, to come up here and try to, so they give you some sweet little message where you can, oh, think this and think that and everything. I'm not liked very well. The ministry is jealous of me because I work the works of God, and the people don't like me because they've been told not to like me, all right? Uh, that I'm Jim Jones. I, I preach heresy. I, I teach things of bless God that aren't of today, and I'm bringing people into bondage, and it won't be long before we drink the Kool-Aid. Well, now, if you believe that, then, then you've got a problem, all right? The fact of it is, folks, this is revelation knowledge. It is time that God sets the church free. The remnant of God is going to come out of the church, and the church is no longer going to look like it looks. The Holy Ghost, bless God, the Rahakadish in Hebrew, has already lifted himself uh, there is a there is a demonstration of God, which is the overall uh, the b blessing or the overall spirit of God, the omnipresence of God. But as far as the bless God, the, the exact the exact manifestation of the anointing of God no longer exists in those churches. Now that was there, but as Ezekiel looked uh, and began to watch it lift and, and and end up going out the door of the temple and gone. But the people, the ministry, still thought it was there, and they were having church as usual. And that's, that's pretty well what's going on today. Now, I'm not going to tell you that all the churches are bad. That's not what I'm saying to you. What I'm saying to you is that we don't have an absolute regular service by service by service manifestation of the power of God's anointing. 
We don't have that. Now, we can bring people in to minister, and sometimes things will happen. But bless God, I'm talking about the people. That's the reason that I did so much on the Everlasting Covenant as we spent the entire weekend down in the corn patch getting you to understand that Jesus Christ, when he came, Yeshua came to this earth and was sent by the Father, he was a continuation of the covenant. He wasn't the end of the old covenant and the beginning of the new covenant. That, that, that wasn't at all what went on. But yet at the same time, bless God, we, we bought into that bag of rocks, and now we're what? We're wretched, we're poor, we're naked, we need the ISAB once again, and guess what? The prophets are bringing the ISAB. To those who want to see, to those who want to hear, are going to see and they're going to hear what thus saith the mouth of God in this hour. It is going to hair-lip the church. It already is. The greatest division that there's ever been in this church world is coming. And it is coming. And if you're going to get on this side of it, you're going to be called the devil himself. Why? Because they have to, without a shadow of turning, protect their domain. And they're going to do that. Now, is there always going to still be the Baptists, the Methodists, the Pentecostals, the Charismatics, the Catholics, the Episcopalians, the Lutherans, and anybody else I left out? Absolutely, there's going to be. There always has been. Transition is something that always has taken place. Now, where this is, this came to was that, that, that the Lord God is saying they have to be taught the difference between the holy and the profane. There's just some things that, bless God, what? You're not going to touch. There's some things that God isn't going to allow you to do Him to bless you. One of those things is, bless God, He's not going to allow you to walk away from... Uh, when I taught the Everlasting Covenant in, in at least two places in the Bible, uh, the Lord God explains to us how long hit that covenant that He made, first with Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob, uh, and then to the, as we went down the line, Moses and everybody else, He's told us how long it was going to last so we wouldn't have this argument that's going on today in the church. But somehow the church forgot to read that part or, or disannulled that part, uh, hid that part, because what did he say? That this covenant will last for 1,000 generations. That's what he said. That covenant that he made will last for 1,000, that's 40,000 years. That's what God said. That's not what I said. That's what he put in the book. Now, if that's going to last for 40,000 years, then how in the world did a bunch of knuckleheads come along and say, well, now, now okay, uh, it's okay, uh, but, but, you know, we're, we're not there anymore. We've got this new covenant. And, can't, you know, again, it's the New Testament in his blood. Somebody needs to hear this. Grab onto it. It was the New Testament in his blood. Why? What the, what the law couldn't do, he had to come as the Son of Almighty God, and to do. In other words, he did what the law couldn't do. He never, he never said that he'd come and bless God everything else ends. Now I'm here. You don't keep Sabbath. You don't keep, you don't keep uh, bless God, the, the festivals. You don't keep new moon. He didn't say that. Well, the church said that part. And I get people all the time wanting to argue with me about, about Shabbat or Sabbath. Well, you can argue all day long, but you're going to hear something here, and we're not even in that because we're talking about this thing called the festival of death. All right? Now, he goes on to say something here in the 24th verse. And in controversy, they shall stand in judgment. Who's going to stand in judgment? The priest. And they shall judge it according to my judgment, God's judgment, not theirs. All right? It will be done according to God's judgment. And then again, if you don't understand God's judgment, then, then, then you've got a problem, don't you? 
Then he goes on to say, and they shall keep my laws and my statutes in, in, in all my assemblies. So he says that they're going to do that. And they shall hallow my, hallow my, my Sabbaths. So there again he's saying that they're going to, you know, going to keep Sabbath. They're going to hallow the Sabbaths. There's, there, you know, we have what we call the, the Saturday Sabbath. Friday night to Saturday night sundown. Friday night sundown. Saturday night sundown. But there are other Sabbaths. That bless God that, that, that God has that God has called upon us to, to keep and to make sure that we keep it holy. Now, so I begin to realize something with this. I begin to realize that that evidently, as I got into the study of this thing, that we in the church had had a, had made some real mistakes. Now I grew up. Um, uh, as uh, in a in a, the denominational Methodist Church, actually it was called the United Brethren Church that that uh, uh, molded over into the Methodist, and now it's called the United Methodist. And every Halloween, everybody dressed up. We made a spook house out of the basement in that old church, and we went down and we dunked for apples, and we did all the things that everybody had ever done. And then we had the was judged to see who the prettiest was and who the ugliest was and the scariest was and all these things, and people got prizes, and everybody said amen and went home. All right? Thought nothing of it. Now, after I began to do this study, I began to realize something. We, as the church, had absolutely touched over into an area that, bless God, that God absolutely knows is profane. We touched over into it. Now, uh, I've watched... I watched communities that had down in southern Illinois that used to have build uh, in big uh, buildings uh, have spook houses on Halloween. They no longer exist. Now I've had them to call me and tell me it's my fault. If because of you, we can't we don't we can't do this anymore because Sister such and such, and we'll call her Sister Smith, brought to us. The, the, the tapes that you do on Halloween and assured us that it was evil and that we should depart from that and we shouldn't have it anymore. And we just want you to know it's your fault that we're not having fun. It doesn't mean anything to us. Even though it may look that way, it doesn't mean anything to us. And that's what I generally heard for numbers of years. Now, I realized, being young in the ministry, I realized that as my life got threatened, as I said more than just two or three times over this particular message, I realized that whenever the national uh, televangelist, uh, once one of these boys or girls got brave enough, bless God, to latch on to that message, that then it would start to be accepted. Now, most of you in this room today, and hopefully all of you in this room today, bless God, uh, know that the Halloween is something you just that you want to stay away from. You just absolutely want to stay away from it. Now I have people say, "Well, what we do in our church, Brother Deckard, is we dress up as as, as uh, uh, Bible characters on the thirty-first day." And I said, "I don't care if you dress up like Santa Claus. You're still observing the festival of Samhain, the festival of death. Why don't everybody dress up on July the fourth like Bible characters?" and have a big time then. You know what it is? We don't want to turn loose of the world. We still want to somehow, well, we're not doing this, but we're, we're doing... I'm going to tell you something. That time, 
that time that we've entered into now, and very close to that time now, which makes this, I guess, relevant to the whole uh, the whole situation uh, of the of the coming place, so called Halloween, is is a dangerous time. It is absolutely, bless God, it is the, uh, October the 31st, the stroke of midnight, is the highest holy day of darkness of the entire year. Now, I'm going to talk about this morning, uh, God, uh, get, grant me the time, I've watched God uh, deliver three satanic high priests. And I mean, one of the, one of the satanic high priests was into the sacrificing of the, that joint of the finger, and then the coven would drink the blood, all right? Uh, the, the, I guess we could rate this X, uh, an, an X-rated uh, sermon, uh, because it, it gets a bit gory. Uh, the, the second one was a, a woman, a priestess, and she, uh, bless God, provided a baby which was timed to have been born, and that baby was sacrificed. This woman did this every year for several years, and that baby was sacrificed at the high stroke of, the, uh, of 12 o'clock on October the 31st every year. And you said, oh, I can't, I just don't, I just don't hard. Folks, it's time to wake up and smell the roses. Darkness is real. It really works, it really goes on, and I don't doubt one bit that it's not going to happen right here in Lansing, Michigan, here in, in just a few days. Now, at this time of the year, uh, there in the county I live in, uh, the cats uh, begin to disappear. Because why? If they're not into sacrificing here, they're sacrificing animals. And they're into, bless God, sacrificing dogs and cats. Anything that they, and so, and it got interesting because I, I, being from a small town, I, I knew the, the, you know, the law enforcement, so I, I just went up and I said, uh, is there anything uh, that, that happens now right around Halloween? I said, uh, that with, the, with the, the fact that a lot of cats and dogs, and, oh, like you wouldn't believe they come up missing. So we got calls all the time during this time of the year that somebody's fee-fee has been taken out of the yard or somebody's, uh, Tom Cat or this cat or that cat's bit disappeared, and I never said anything to him. But I knew what was going on. I knew without a shadow of turning what was going on that they were sacrificing those animals unto Satan. They're in that county, and it's not a very big county. In fact, one of the smallest counties in the state of Illinois that we live in. The state police, the Colvins there, get as large as 200 people. And some of them get even larger than that. Some of them are smaller. But the state police had to be called out on a gravel, dusty road to direct traffic because of all the kids and the people that were going out into the middle of a field for a, for a sacrifice. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, well, wonder why the state police would be involved in all that. You want to know why? Because some of them belong to the Coven. Doctors belong. Lawyers belong. This isn't something that, bless God, that is for the is is for the the people that you would think. Well, you know, they don't know any better. No, th these these are intelligent people. They're people that aren't so intelligent, uh, but none of them smart enough to realize that, bless God, uh, that that what they're doing 
is that they're reaching over and they're touching something that's profane in the eyes of God. And any time you reach over and you touch something that's profane in the eyes of God, you're in a heap of trouble with God. Hosea 4, 6 says what? My people perish for the lack of knowledge. All right? Now, now most of what we did, and I, I can talk about me, I can talk about my family. Bless God, we were involved in Halloween, but you see, we didn't know anything about it. But you see, the, it's, the, it's the truth that does what? That sets you free. Until truth comes, you, you, can't, you can't be free until you receive the depth of the truth. And once the truth comes, then you've got to make a decision. Am I or am I not going to receive and, and, and do that which I know to do? Um, now, the Celtic god of death is what this Sam Hain thing is all about. The celebration of Sam Hain is what it's called. And what they do during that time, these, these higher-up uh, priests of darkness get into, bless God, uh, calling up the wicked dead, all right, and speak to them. Now, if you have any problem with that, get over into, into the book of Samuel, First uh, and Second Samuel, and begin to read, and I'm not sure, I think it's First Samuel, and get into that and begin to read. See, again, we don't realize that, that bless God, that it is a capability to speak into the spirit world and communicate with the dead. See, God tells us, you don't do that. That is an abomination to me, and which means it's death to us if, in fact, we get messing around with that. He said, you stay away from that. Now, that should tell the church something very important. Then, evidently, it's, it, it's capable of happening. Now, why does it happen? I personally believe the reason it happens. I believe the reason that without truth you'll get into things that you don't realize you're getting into and I think that even people that have heard that it's, that, that it's an abomination to God, uh, this thing of Halloween, still uh, is doing it because why? There is a spiritual connection that takes place. You were made first what? A spirit being placed into a body. And bless God, one day going to be released from these, this body back into the supernatural world. Hallelujah. All right? But the fact of it is, while we are in this body, we are trying, once again, unknowingly most of the time to us, to begin to communicate with the Creator, because we're first spirit. So that's what, that's what drives us, to bless God, in many cases, to the point, point where we get into this stuff. Why? Because we just got guided in the wrong direction. And then you got the next problem. The next problem is, and I have had... Hundreds of people in Covens through the years tell me this, this right here. Well, the spirituality isn't in what you call the church. And you know what I have to tell them? You're right. It's not. You're exactly right. It isn't in the church. So if it's not in the church, and that's what they're after. They are after a supernatural experience that, bless God, that has a word power involved in it. That's what they're after. And they can find that, brothers and sisters, on the side of darkness, and we in the church, for the most part, cannot produce for them the power of God, the living God. We can't do that. And that's what, that, and that's what cause, causes this, this separation. And I've had, I've had too many. I, I, I remember that this uh, one guy coming in, and he came into the service, and he sat, and I still remember, it was there in Fairfield, 
uh, on my left toward the back. And and I knew I knew I mean darkness can't darkness can't come in a room with a prophet without a prophet understanding that it's darkness. And boy, the minute this guy and his his uh, his uh, homosexual friend and his girlfriend came in, I mean to tell you it was just like bless God, bang there it was. And so I do like I I, I always do. I bound up the powers of darkness in the name of Yeshua. And after that was over, he come and said, uh, I need to talk to you. I said, What do you want to talk to me about? And he said. I, I want to be delivered. I said, "Oh, you do?" And he said, "Yeah." He said, "I have been to every church in this part of the uh, Midwest, and he said I was told that you're a deliverance preacher, and I was told that that you had the power to be able to deliver me from this thing." I said, "Okay." I said, "How do you know that?" And he said, "When I sat down and you said be bound, the darkness be bound." He said, "See, I'd go in those churches and I could now listen to this man." I could release the demon in me, and that demon would go up and overtake that pastor. And he said, I even had those pastors standing up there cursing, cussing, if you will. And he said, I knew they couldn't help me. But he said, when you said be bound in the name of Yeshua, he said there was a chain that came around me supernaturally, and he said, I couldn't loose the demon. I, I, that demon was bound in me, and I couldn't. And he said, "I've never had that happen before." And he said, "You have to, you have to help me uh, get delivered from this thing." I looked at him and I said, uh, "What's going to happen?" He always oh, said, "They're going to kill me," but he said, "They're not going to kill me with guns, knives, and, and, and clubs. They're going to kill me through the supernatural world by sending demons. He said, they know that I'm here tonight, and they know that this conversation has taken place. Well, I knew that. I mean, I knew enough to know that. So I said, well, I said, uh, uh, you, you, you're sure you want delivered? Yeah, he said, I want delivered. I said, well, I said, I, I had some people to pray for uh, that night, and I said, well, why, why don't we do this? Uh, you come back, and we had a weeknight service, and I said, you come back the weeknight, and I said, bless God, uh, I'll, I'll pray and God will deliver you. Well, about 2 o'clock in the morning, the phone rang, and it's his girlfriend, and she's screaming. She's hysterical, and finally I got her to calm down. I said, for Pete's sakes, I said, this, this, what, what, what's so serious that you're screaming like this? And she said, oh, oh, she said, you got to come. She said, you just got to come. So, so, so the demons came, and, they, and he levitated off the bed when we were in bed asleep and turned him around. Now, turned him around like this was the bed, and turned him around where his feet were above the end of the bed, and his body was laid out over the, ba over the, uh, the back of the bed uh, toward the floor. He said then they picked him up, and they tried to bend him, not this way, but this way, and he began to spit blood. He said, she said, he's dying. She said, he is dying. He's laying here in blood and dying. I said, stick the phone over there next to his ear. Stick the phone over there. I took authority over in the name of Yeshua. I told her, I said, now, you, 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 you just pray. She said, well, I'm not even saved. I said, well, be saved in the name of Yeshua. I'm smart enough to know that the youngest... See, the thing that darkness doesn't want you to know that the youngest born-again Christian on the block can handle any, anything Satan's got. And uh, so anyway, I prayed the prayer. She got saved. I said, now, you pray till I get there, and don't you stop. She said, well, I don't know how to pray. I said, well, then, bless God. I said, uh, I said, 
I started I started telling her uh, she could be baptized in the Holy Ghost, and I thought, well, that may be more than I want to get into over the telephone. I'd have to do that when I got there. So I got there, and and, and it was a two-hour drive from my house. There I am, uh, t- 2 o'clock in the morning. Don't get there till 4 or 4.30. So I, I go up. I finally find the house. I go up, and I, I get in the house, and, and, and now he's laying in bed, and, and he, he quit uh, spitting blood, and, and so the, the the demon left. But what she told me was was of great interest to me. See, I I am a um, as a mentor, I I understand the supernatural world, and I teach into that because it's important that that believers understand that that world is there and it works on both sides. Now, so so uh, so he came back around and he set up and he said. I told you they were going to try to kill me. I said, yeah, you did. I said, I just didn't think it was going to be that quick. And he said, well, he said, I didn't either. Now, this, this, this guy was the one that sat, was into the sacrificing people's little that joint of the finger and drinking the blood. He was, he had, in other words, that's above the, the cats and the dogs and whatever else they sacrifice. That's the next step up. The, the step after that is to sacrifice humans. All right, so he knew that he was in line to make the next step. And he said to me, he said, now, the scary thing about this was the way they came about it. And, and he said, during, during this thing, after they tried to bend me backwards and, and I started spitting up blood, he said, I laid there. And he said, all of a sudden, they picked me up and they took me over the wall. And he said, they slammed me into the wall. And he said, I sat there as I was on a chair halfway up that wall like somebody had nailed me or glued me to the wall. And this, and this girlfriend of his says, yeah. She said, that, that, she said, boy, did I go to praying then. I said, well, what happened? I said, well, I was there for about ten minutes, and all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden, bless God, I just uh, slid down the wall. And, and bless God, I got, I got up and went to bed, and, and that was it. Well, um, I told him. I said, "Now, I said, I'm going to tell you something." I said, "You, you come, you come Wednesday night." I said, "I left an anointed hanky with him." I said, "Now, here's what I want you to do," and I gave him some instructions. And I said, uh, "You have the authority to come over that." I said, uh, "And you come Wednesday night. I think it was Wednesday night, a weeknight service." And I said, uh, well, "God's going to completely deliver you." But I said, "I'm tired. It's late, and it's going to take more than a minute or two." Uh, to be delivered. Now, now let me tell you something as a delivering preacher. I get a, used to get around a lot. See, deliverance used to be real popular for a while, and then it got it got to the point where it wasn't popular, right? And so, or people weren't so much into it. Now it's all about the prophet, and it's about the, everybody wants to be a prophet, be around prophetic ministry. Back in that time, in that era, in the early in the 80s. It was a, a deliverance. Everybody got real interested in casting out demons, which is fine, because the Bible says that, you know, believers will do what? Will cast out devils. So anyway, so uh, I, I, I just knew that, bless God, that, that I was, it was going, but I've heard the people say, well, we prayed all night for somebody to be delivered of this or we've been delivered of that. I have never seen anybody that it took more than 30 minutes, and I'm talking about these satanic high priests, to be delivered a prayer. I don't know what people do, and I'm going to tell some stories, or a story here in a minute, 
about what I did see that was terribly, that terribly went wrong with people trying to, to, to operate over into uh, an area of ministry that they don't have any business in called deliverance, all right? So uh, the Wednesday night service came, if that was the, the night it was, and, and so here he came. So um, he came in and he sat down, and, uh, and bless God, uh, uh, I uh, had him a, a table, and I got him a cup of coffee, and I had a cup of coffee, and I sat on one side of the table, and he sat on the other side of the table. And, and uh, I said to him, I said, so you want to be delivered? And he said, no. He said, I don't want to be delivered. He said, I didn't come here to be delivered. I don't, why would I want to be delivered? He said, my God has more power than your God. Why would I want to serve your God? Well, I knew what was going on because at that point in time, God began to let me to discern. See, in order to deal over into that world, you better be able to discern. You better know what that is all about. You better be able to see what's going on inside that person or you're going to get them in trouble and yourself. And so I knew it was a schizophrenic spirit, so I said, shut up. I said, you foul, stinking spirit of darkness, shut up. I said, I want to hear, and his name happened to be Tom also. I said, I want to hear from Tom. And so, bless God, uh, uh, oh, yeah, he said, I want to be delivered. He said, yeah, he said, that's why I'm here. He said, they tried to kill me last night, and I want to be delivered. And so five minutes went by, and bless God, well, why do I want to be delivered? And so, and that's what a schizophrenic spirit will do. It'll go back and forth and back and forth. And so I, I shut the thing up again. And, and, and so the third time he said, Prove to me that your God is more powerful than the God of darkness, the God of Satan. I said, Oh, that's not going to be tough. I said, That's not going to be tough. He said, I can levitate this coffee cup. And I can move this coffee cup from where we're sitting here to the end of that table down there. And he said, then let's just see what your God will do. I said, oh, that's pretty simple. I said, watch this. I just reached over, put my finger on top of his coffee cup, and I said, coffee cup, you stay right there. You don't move in the name of Yeshua. And he began to try to move that coffee cup. And he couldn't move it. And he got grimace on his face. And he, he got up out of the chair, and he get, talked to that cup. I said, you can talk to the cows come in. But I said, you're not going to move that cup. Now, I said, now, your God's so powerful. I said, you, I said, have you done that before? Oh, all the time. I said, you can't do it tonight. Looks like it makes my God the more powerful God to me. I said, I, I mean, I don't know how we're counting all this, but I said, I said, told it not to move. You said you can move it, and you can't move it. Now, you deduct that. Now, who's serving the powerful God? He looked at me, and he said, Okay, I'm, I'm ready to listen. I said, good. So we started talking for a few more minutes, and all of a sudden, he decided, he decided he was going to the schizophrenic thing. And so at that point, at that point, I'd had all I wanted. I jumped up out of the chair, come around the other side of, that, of it, and I started taking authority over that stinking spirit of darkness. And all of a sudden, and if you can see up here, all of a sudden the chair he was sitting in leaned back, and it's like somebody welded it to the, to the floor. And it was a concrete floor, just like that. And he slithered out of that chair like a snake onto the floor. I'm standing there going, wow, I wish I had a camera. 
You're talking about a teaching tool. See, the church doesn't know these things. Church doesn't. Church doesn't know these kind of things go on. They, they, you know, they. Oh well, yeah. There's darkness. They don't have any idea what's around them. They don't have any idea what's down the street from what they call the church. And sometimes it's in the church. All right. And so anyway, um, when he went on the floor, I I bailed right on top of him. I mean, I literally jumped on him, and I started casting out uh, demons and. I cast out three or four demons, and all of a sudden, I heard this voice. Lay still, he'll think that I have left. And he laid still. I got up, and the Lord God said, now cast the thing out. So I cast it out, and when I did, there was a brother that was an elder of that church that was out in that, that area where you come in the front door, and he was out there. And he said, when that demon came out, he, that, he screamed such a blood-curdling scream that it literally shook those windows in the front of that church. He said, I never heard anything like it in my life. He said, I told him, I said, I don't care what happens. Don't you come in here. I said, you, no matter what happens, you stay out there. And he said, oh, I wanted to come in there. I wanted to open that door up. But he said, I knew, I knew that, that, that I could. Now, God delivered him set him completely free. Now, he decided he was going to become a, a minister of righteousness, and he wanted immediately for me to pour oil on him and my hands laid on him so he could work in the power, as he said. I said, well, it doesn't work that way, and uh, he couldn't understand why. And uh, he uh, uh, fooled around with the tarot cards and came in service one night. I think I've probably told this before. And he came in service one night, and he was all drawn up. He couldn't hardly walk. He's like this. Took him this that long. You can imagine walking from the back of that church sat down to the down to the front section to sit down. And, and he sat down, and I looked at him, and and uh, I knew. I knew. So anyway, I, I got started the service, and I said, no, nope, no, nope, don't start service. He said, take care of that first. He said, have, it, have, 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 have his wife. He finally married that gal. It was his girlfriend. He got delivered, by the way, from being a queer. And uh, so I said, uh, bring, bring him up front. So here they came, and it took a while. And while they bring him up front, I said, now, this is a perfect situation of being able to teach you the difference between deliverance and healing. I said, now, it would look the way that his body is all twisted. It would look like that he needs to be healed. He needs a miracle. But I said, what he needs is a stinking demon. And, I, and he got up there, and I said, Now, Tom, tell the people that you've monkeyed with the tarot cards again. He looked down. I said, Tom, tell the people. I, held him, I said, Tell the people you went back and monkeyed with the tarot cards again. Yeah, he said, I went back and monkeyed with the tarot cards. And I said, You can't mix the holy with the profane. Listen to me. You cannot mix the holy with the profane. Now, God delivered him and set him over into the side of righteousness. And then he decided to go back and, 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 and meddle once again into a blessed God darkness, and there he came. So I, so I, to, so I told the people, I said, now, now watch this. And so I cast the demon out of him. He fell on the floor as though he was dead. And I said, now, when he comes back around, he'll get up and walk just as normal as he's always walked back to the seat and sit down. I said, this is, a, this is a great lesson for you as the church 
to begin to understand the power of deliverance. But the, but the understanding of deliverance is just what it is. Uh, again, uh, uh, deliverance in that time was kind of like the prophet thing is today. Everybody wants to try to be one that's not called to be one. There's a lot of people thinking that they have a prophetic voice that they may belong somewhere. By the way, I'm going to do a thing on the on the fivefold ministry at one of the quarterlies. I don't know if it'll be this one coming up or not, uh, and try to get everybody to understand, uh, at least begin to identify the offices in which they 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 can walk in. Uh, that is all just as important as that of the office of prophet. It just happens to be right now that the prophetic thing is the big thing, and it just it has been for quite a while, and it's going to be for probably the rest of the time through this thing because God's restoring the prophetic ministry. Uh, to the believers. Now, you notice I didn't say so much to the church as I said to the believers. Now, uh, quickly, the story of how this thing can go wrong. A young man came uh, uh, to uh, one of the churches that I had apostled, or was apostling, and told me that God had sent him there, and he was now going to come under the ministry, and he was going to, and he had already been ministering, but he was, to, he was told that he was to come under the ministry of this prophet, and grow up. I said, that's fine. We talked a little bit. I, you've heard me say, I told him, this was a fellow, I said, well, he said, where do you want me to start? And I said, well, there's a bucket of paint and a basement and a paintbrush, and you paint that, the wall in the back down there. And, and he said, oh, but, but he said, that's not what I had in mind. I said, well, that's exactly what I got in mind, you know. And so he did that, and he stayed for a while. And then one day he came to me, and he said, well, God has told me that I'm supposed to now go out into my ministry. And I said, God told you that, yeah. I said, well, uh, far be it for me. You know, that's what God told you to do, then that's the thing to do. And so, anyway, he went out, and about, I don't know, four, five, six months later, whatever it was, one of the elders came to me and said, well, did you hear what happened to, 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 to Brother such and such? And I said, no. I said, what happened to him? She, and he said, well, said this woman was coming to his, his, his church. He started a church. He had about ten people. And 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 she came, and, and her husband needed to be delivered, had a demon. So he went over to her home, went into the house, and he agreed. Now, her husband agreed to let him lay hands on him and pray. And while he was praying, he just decided to take on that demon. And bless God, he prayed, and, 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 and bless God, he left. And about uh, uh, within an hour after he left, and I think it was a whole lot sooner than that, after the preacher left, this, this old boy that he tried to cast this demon out of went in and took his 12-gauge shotgun, put a shell in it, went next door, and blew the head completely off of his next-door neighbor. Now, what is that? That is somebody monkeying around in an area they don't need to be monkeying around in. But I thought that any, any Christian can cast out devils. They can. But there are different degrees. When we get to the demonology side of this thing, I'm going to teach you into the depths of the different degrees of darkness. And there are different degrees of darkness, some of which, bless God, an overall out-and-out out, uh, 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 devil, yeah, but if it's, a, uh, if it's a wickedness in high places, those need to be dealt with with people that can see into the other side, all right? And there's not enough people actually sees into the other side that would like to act like they do, but uh, we won't get into a lot of that today mainly because we're doing what? Talking about satanic high priests, all right? Uh, the satanic high priests, the, the, the woman that was producing the babies, 
She said to me, she said, when I was 16 years old, they took me out to a, to a, a, a witch, a male witch that had died, and at the stroke of midnight on the 31st day of, of, of October, they had me to dance on his grave. I want you to listen closely to this. And she said, I was dancing on his grave, and she said, something came over me and came in me that night, and it's never left. And I said, do you have any idea what that something is? She said, I do now. It was a demon. Now, let me tell you how me and this gal met. The phone rang, and I'm not much to answer the phone, okay? But I'm at the office, and, and the phone rang, and, and, I, and, 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 and I sat there, and I thought, well, I'm not going to answer the phone. And it rang, and it rang maybe seven, eight, maybe ten times. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord said, pick the phone up now. And I picked the phone up. I said, hello. And on the other end was this, was this uh, uh, priestess, a satanic priestess, and she said, I didn't expect to get anybody. I said, well, I'm normally not here, and usually there's nobody here, but I just happened to be here. And I said, uh, I, I knew I was to answer the phone. I said, what can I do for you? And she said, well, I have a 12-gauge shotgun hooked up, and I'm uh, sitting on a, on a chair. Actually, there was two chairs involved. And she said, I've got it right in front of my head, and I've got a stick long enough to push the trigger when I put my mouth over the barrel of the gun. She said, what are you going to do about that? I said, well, I'm going to tell you something. I can't do anything about it. But I said, I can tell you this. I said, I can tell you that you're wanting delivered from darkness. I can tell you that you're operating in darkness. In fact, I said, I can tell you that you are a satanic witch, that you're over a coven of people teaching them this stuff. And your life has become such a mess that darkness is driven. And see, what darkness does, brothers and sisters, never tells you the end of the subject. See, the Word of God will tell you the end of the subject. Darkness never tells you the end is sin. All they show you is all the fun, all the feelings, all the things that goes on. And she said, and she began to weep. She said, I didn't think anybody in this world cared about me. She said, why, why would you care? And I said, because I care about all humanity, because I'm a, I'm a prophet of God set here on this earth to minister to the people. And I said, you need more ministry than, than maybe everybody in the county today. And she said, but I want to die. I said, no, you don't want to die. Your, your life has just gotten it, it, itself into a place where you have given up hope. Now, who is Yeshua Jesus? He's the hope of glory. I said, what you need to do is meet the man from Galilee. You, you, need, you need to meet this Jew boy. And I said, and I'm just the old boy to introduce you to him. She said, uh, can I come down there? And I said, yeah, you, you come on down here. So bless God, I called one of the other brothers. And bless God, he came out. And she came, and God delivered her, set her free. In fact, I'm going to tell you something. She got at least half of that coven. It was over a hundred people uh, at, at the time that uh, all this began to take place, and 
she got about half of them uh, uh, brought into that into the church, got them saved and delivered, filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, what's that about? It's about the fact that darkness never has a plan of salvation for anybody's life. Only light has that plan. And so, and again, it's drawn. It's drawn. The thing that happens on the highest day. Uh, the 31st day at stroke of midnight on, on October the 31st is that there is a connection made between this natural world and the supernatural world of darkness. There's a connection. And what the church never realized was if, in fact, they were part of that connection and part of that celebration, they were also connecting. Now, you can't have the holy and profane both, Right. So when you walk over and you begin to touch or dabble into the profane, what happens to you? You become an abomination unto the Lord God. And you say, well, that's not fair. I didn't say it was fair. I said you become an abomination to the Lord God because of the fact that, bless God, that you have touched and you said, well, but I didn't know. Read the book. See, that, see that's the reason the, the Apostle Paul said to study to show yourselves approved. That's the reason that, bless God, the Scripture says that you are accountable for everything in the book. Whether you know to do right or you don't know to do right, you're still going to be judged by that, and you're going to receive stripes on that day. And you can stand there and say, well, I was a Baptist or I was a Methodist, and we didn't believe in all that all day long, but that's not going to cut it with God. Right's right, wrong's wrong on the day of judgment, you're going to find out that you'll be judged for all of it. And again, that's the reason that, brothers and sisters, you've got, you've got to reach out and you've got to reach deeply within your own selves to begin to understand that there is a difference between the holy and the, difference, and, and the profane. Now, the thing that I began to look at this was these high, uh, these high satanic priests that were called druids, all right? Now, they, they built bonfires. You know, uh, during this time of, of the year, uh, you, uh, a lot of bonfires are built. Now, the reason they did that was to, to guide the wicked dead back to them. That's what that was all about. They believed they'd build those bonfires, and that would, that would draw them to them. Uh, they, they, uh, bless God, and here was, here's the deal I really liked, was, bless God, that they controlled, the Druids controlled the people with witchcraft. Now, they would go around and they would go door to door. Now, we call it what? Trick or treat, right? They would go to door to door at this time on the 31st, and they would say, give us your food. If you didn't give them your food, which food wasn't in all that great abundance most of the time, then what, they backed up and they put a curse on you and your family, on your home, and all kinds of bad things would begin to happen to you. So that's where trick and treat came from. So, see, it's not a matter of you dressing your kid up like a little goblin, sending him to the door to get a chunk of candy. What they're doing is reenacting the, the, the spiritual uh, concept of the Druids. Exactly. In other words, you see, we like to call Christmas a time when we reenact the birth of, of, of a Mashiach, the Messiah, which is fine. It's not, you know, where Christmas came out of that, I'm not sure, but... But but anyway, uh, but that's what that's what we do. Well, they're reenacting also, and see, you don't even know that you're letting your children go out here and reenact darkness at its very height, and and let that child, bless God, do what? Become a cursed thing? Because why? 
Well, everybody does it, prophet, and it really doesn't hurt anything. Come on. Oh, but it does, doesn't it? Oh, but it does. And, and, and let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. Who am I or who are you to judge what it does or it doesn't do, except one thing? You've touched something that's not God. And when you touch something that's not God and you, you get your children, your family involved in it, then it's not hard for me as a prophet to look, look at it and say, oh, my goodness. You know, then they wonder why. You know, they wonder why somebody uh, ends up in a car wreck in the family and dies. They wonder if somebody dies this way or this happens or that happens. It's because they have touched something that, bless God, isn't holy. And there's consequences when you touch into darkness. When you get into the profanity side, the profanity side will, will end up taking you to an early grave. You profane, all right? Now, uh, they use turnips, and, the, and, and bless God, they carved out these turnips, stuck them on sticks of evil faces. Boy, isn't that what the pumpkins are about? They sure as the world did. And then, then bless God, uh, and, and this was a spirit that, that guided the priests. In other words, they felt like that there was an evil spirit in those turnips, and 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 they carried them around like that, and they felt like that they, you know, that 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 light, that spirit with this evil-looking face on it, was going to guide them to wherever they were supposed to do, wherever they're supposed to go, and whatever they're supposed to do. Again, we use pumpkins. What's one of the biggest one of the biggest holidays now in the United States of America is Halloween. You saw it when you walked in out here. It's there. Do we have to be a part of that? No. We're going to be a part of it? No. That's the world. We are to do what? We're to separate ourselves from the world. And and what I want to make sure uh, uh, that 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 you understand from the perspective of a prophet, when you see people getting into that, I mean, it, it, folks, it's it's a it's a matter of life and it's a matter of death. Because they are absolutely saying when they're doing this is yes, we agree. We 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 are going to enter in and partake as part of the highest satanic day of the year, and we're going and and now we're not going to do it as unto Satan. We're doing this as unto Jesus. Well, I got news for you, Jesus doesn't participate in that. Okay, so you're sure not doing it because of, because of the Lord. All right, apple dunking. Uh, bless God, was they they dunk for apples, and if they could go down in that water and come up with an, an apple, it meant they were going to have good luck the next year. All right? Then they would peel the apple, and they would throw that apple peelings over their shoulder. Uh, and, and bless God, through doing that, they believed would bring them good luck. So what do we do today? Now, I don't know about today, because it's been years and years and years and years since I've been around, but I know in our church basement, Apple dunking was a great big thing during that during the 31st day of uh, of October that we we participated in that. And then I talked about bless God uh, the fact that that human sacrifices uh, was going to come from it. I guess no one will will ever be able to to come up with the numbers not here on this earth. As to the people that bless God that that have gotten into this stuff. Hey, thank you so much, Prophet Deckard. Again, you can get a hold of us at the website www.jewishprophet.com and you can find out again all this material that you're hearing taught every day every week folks you want to get out there and start taking a look at that and start ordering that material because you need to get a hold of that and start to apply that 
into your life so that it will change your life. You know what? You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com. We'll be praying for your prayer requests. Shalom until tomorrow. And remember, with God, all things are possible. Shemu Nikrah